Good morning. morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. I'm excited to be with you today. I'm excited because we're starting a new series, and it's called Unqualified. And this this series is based on a book, and it's based on a book written by a pastor named Stephen Furtick. And it's relevant to us because Stephen Furtick planted a church, just like Loomis, about 10 years ago in Charlotte, North Carolina. And it started really small. It only had about 11 families that moved with them to Charlotte, North Carolina. But Stephen had a big dream, and he felt like the Lord had called him to, this, to, to move to Charlotte and to impact the city with the love of Jesus. And these 11 families, they, they caught into the vision. And now, 10 years later, 20,000 people attend their services every week. 20,000. And not only that, I believe they've had 70,000 people come to know Jesus in the 10 years that they've been ministering. So they've seen their city change because they believed and they had faith that Jesus would come and do what he says he's going to do. And I think it's exciting for us because that's our dream. Luminous Church. That's why we came and we planted this church here in San Antonio. It's because we want to see San Antonio change. We want, to see, we want to see Luminous be big, big, not because of just to have more people in the, in the seats, because of the impact. And we want to see tens of thousands of people come to know Jesus. And so it's exciting. It's exciting to read this book about a man who's done that and has the faith, great faith in Jesus. And really what this book is about and what this series is about is validation. Knowing who you are. Knowing who you are. And that's a question that most of us don't know, don't know how to answer. And really it's about legitimacy. It's about, do I matter? Do I matter? Does it matter that I exist? Does it matter that I'm alive? Do I have purpose? Would, it, would the world be a, a, a less place if I wasn't here? And we all want it. We all want that validation. We all want people to tell us that we matter. The problem is, is most of us don't know how to get it. We look in all the wrong places. We come up with some ideas on how to do it, whether it's our perception of ourselves, how, how, how we think we're doing, the perception other people have of us, and, and how they think we're doing. Another thing that we look to is our possessions. How much stuff do I have? Am I successful? Is my bank account big enough? And then another thing we do is our position, what we actually do. Am I a father? Am I a wife? Am I a, you know, all those different things that we do. And we, we kind of compile all these things together and we try to make it mean something. Because we're looking to validate ourselves. We want to be validated. And most of us struggle with that feeling, struggle with that feeling of knowing who I am. And I believe that the Lord wants to tell you who you are. And he wants to validate you. And that's what this series is going to be about. And not only that, we're going to be focusing on one individual character in the Bible. His name's Jacob. And Jacob's very appropriate for this series because he, probably more than anyone else in the biblical narrative, struggles with this thing more than anybody else about being validated. And he desperately wanted to be validated. And he lived his whole life trying to be validated. And he did it in all the wrong ways until finally the Lord stepped in. So... 
We're going to be following him in this journey. And we're going to start by Genesis 32. is where we're going to be reading. And then just a few pages over is Genesis 27. And we're going to be reading that in a little bit. And these are two key moments in, in Jacob's life. Genesis 32, 22 says, The same night he arose and he took his two wives, this is Jacob, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his socket, his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint, and he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? What is your name? Another way you could say it is, Who are you? And names matter to us because a name has to do with who you are. There's a name attached to it, and it represents you. And it can have power, too. Your name can have power. Just look at, if you're President Barack Obama, <coughs> President Obama, his name opens a lot of doors for him because of who he is. So let's say President Obama wants to eat tonight at the best restaurant in the United States, the one that normally takes months and months of, of calling ahead to get a reservation. But if Barack Obama gets his administrative assistant to call that restaurant, he gives him 20 minutes notice and says, hey, I want to eat at your restaurant tonight. I'm going to bring 12 people plus all my secret service. They're going to have that table ready for him. Because he's Obama. But if I call, they're going to laugh at me. They may just hang up on me. But I'm saying, but I'm J-Tonk. Do you not know who I am? I say, no, I don't know who you are. <laughs> and so a name has power. And even that administrative assistant who calls that restaurant, if that person were to call and say, hey, I need a table, they'd laugh at that person too. But it's because they said, I need this for President Obama. And then President Obama gets what he wants. So a name has power. Who you are has power. Or no power. But I think that's the, kind of the allure of being a celebrity. Lots of people grow up now wanting to be a celebrity. We have, there's like little kids that grow up and they don't even say that they want to be a basketball player. They don't even say they want to be a movie star. They just want to be a celebrity. They want to be Instagram famous. Why? Is it the success? Is it the wealth? Probably some of it. There's lots of successful and wealthy people in the world who aren't famous. And, no, and people would rather be famous. They probably would give up the wealth to be famous. Why is that? I think it's because celebrities, we kind of got it mixed up in our minds here. We, got, we think celebrities are valued for who they are. LeBron is valuable, yes, because he's a great basketball player. But he's also valued for being himself. And people want to be LeBron. 
They want to be like LeBron. They want to wear LeBron's shoes. They want to wear his clothes. They want to look like him. They want to be like him, except for Brandy. Brandy doesn't want to be like LeBron. But Brandy wants to be like Kawhi Leonard. I can't blame her. It's a good choice. But we, 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 we want to be like these people because, and we don't really want to be LeBron, we just want to be validated like LeBron. We want people to value us for us. So that's why I think that allure of being a celebrity. Our favorite celebrities are the ones that seem like they always got it together. They're not only successful, they're not only good at what they do, but they're also awesome people. So my example would be David Robinson. David Robinson was my hero growing up. I had his poster on my wall. I wanted to be David Robinson. I even picked up a basketball and I was like, I'm going to be a basketball player like David Robinson. And then I learned I could not play basketball like David Robinson. <laughs> not to mention I'm about a foot shorter and have poor eye-hand coordination. So. But he always had it together. I love David Robinson because not only was he great on the court, but what really drew me to him was his relationship with Jesus. Because I would read about it, and he would talk about his faith, and he would be open and share his love for Jesus. And you'd see like the impact he'd make in San Antonio, and how much he loved his family. And it always seemed like he had it together. So I wanted to be like David Robinson. And David Robinson's awesome. And I'm thankful for him because in some way, that's why I'm in San Antonio. A very small reason. It's because I love David Robinson so much I love the Spurs, and so I grew to love San Antonio. So I'm here because, slightly, because of this poster on my wall when I was 10 years old. <laughs> Problem is, with all of this, is as great as David Robinson is, we validate ourselves by the wrong measure. So I can't compare to David Robinson. If I'm looking at my stature, my status, my talent, I don't compare to David Robinson. So when I look at myself, if that's what I'm measuring it by, if I'm looking at the mirror, I don't measure up. <coughs> and if that's the thing that validates you, then I'll never measure up. As great as he is, I can't compete with that. We just try, we're trying, you know, we try to work we look at ourselves and we just come up short. We're working on it. We work on trying to be better. We see our flaws when we're looking at ourselves. We see the places we don't, we don't add up. And the problem is, is when we do this with people, when we measure ourselves by people, then we also take that same system of measuring ourselves and looking at ourselves and judging ourselves, and we take it to God. We do the same thing. We say, God can't. God's not going to think that I'm good enough if I'm not this and this. If I don't pray enough, if I'm not in my Bible, or I'm not honest enough, or I'm not, I can't preach like Pastor Ben can. All these things, when we come to the Lord and we say, oh, I don't measure up. So we, we feel like we can't come to Him. And if we don't measure up, if, if we're not validated by our people because we don't compare to our heroes, then we also can't be validated by God. And so we run away and we don't think he's going to love us and we don't think he's going to use us. And so we try to do better. It's, most of us don't just give up and say, well, okay, I'm just going to be horrible at life. 
start striving for something. We have this idea in our head of this future, perfect version of ourselves. And so we're looking at ourselves, we see this future version, we're like, okay, I just, if I can just get there. Some of us feel like we've got a million miles to get to that future version of ourselves. Some of us feel like, if I could just fix this one thing, then I could be there. And then everyone would love me. I've, I call that future J-Tom. Future J-Tom's awesome. Future J-Tom has is, is got it all figured out, super confident. Everybody loves future J-Tom. Future J-Tom can beat David Robinson in basketball. Future J-Tom beats David Oaks in CrossFit every week. Every week. Future J-Tom's always confident and never nervous. But I'm not future J-Tom. I don't quite meet that standard. And when it comes to CrossFit, I fall very short of that standard. <laughs> what I'm left with is what I like to call frustrating J-Tom. J-Tom who, who loses to David every week. But J-Tom who does get nervous. J-Tom who doesn't have all the answers. And J-Tom who's not confident all the time in himself. J-Tom who doesn't know that he's good enough. The J-Tom who doesn't stack up. And it gets in my way. I'm, just, I'm stuck here with frustrating J-Tom. How can I ever be future J-Tom as long as I'm here with frustrating J-Tom? Who Jacob was was getting in his way too. Genesis chapter 27, verse 18, you see another event in Jacob's life. So the first passage we read, Jacob was wrestling with this man. And later we find out that that man was God himself. What's surprising about that is that's not the first time in the Bible that Jacob's wrestled with somebody. Because you see, Jacob spent his whole life feeling like he didn't measure up. And that was partly to do with his birth. Jacob was a twin. The second boy of two twin boys. And even in his mother's womb, he's wrestling with his brother, Esau. Wrestling to, to help overpower the other. And this distressed Jacob's mother so much, her name was Rebecca, that she literally went to God and she's like, God, why are these people, why are these, these children in me wrestling? What, what is going on here? And God responds to her and he says that there's two nations in your womb. One will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. So these boys are literally wrestling for power, wrestling for control. Because they both want to be the firstborn. Because with the firstborn, especially at this time in life, this time in history, firstborn came with a lot of perks. If you were the firstborn son, you were instantly validated. Because you were your father's heir. You were going to get most of the wealth. You were going to get the blessing. You were going to be the leader. You were going to be the favorite. So Jacob and Esau wrestling in the womb to be the firstborn. And then it came time to be born. And they're still wrestling. And Esau comes first. And it says that he was all red and he was covered in hair. And so Jacob had lost. 
Jacob wasn't going to be the firstborn. But he fought to the bitter end. And it says that he was literally holding on to his brother's heel when they were born. Like as Esau came out, here comes Jacob right behind him. At the very end, he's still trying to grab onto his brother and pull him back so that he could be the firstborn. Now these are babies, and they probably didn't, they had no idea what was literally going on. But the Lord is saying, showing something. He's showing us this wrestling match that we have with ourselves, this wrestling match that we have with others, to be validated. So Esau, Esau was the first morning. Jacob was left to feel like he didn't measure up, that he couldn't be validated. And so much so, this followed him around his whole life, that his mother and father named him Jacob, which meant heel grower, which reminded him every day of his life that he came up second. He wasn't enough. That he wasn't the firstborn. That he wouldn't be the leader. And so his whole life, he feels like he doesn't matter. And as he gets a little older, his father gets up in age, and it comes time that Isaac, his father, feels like he may be passing on soon. And so he comes to Esau and he says, Esau, I want to give you your blessing. Which the blessing was basically a prophetic promise, a prophetic truth spoken over from a father to a son, basically setting him up for happiness and joy, success, that the Lord would be with him. And so Isaac says to Esau, hey, it's time to give you your blessing. So what I want you to do is go and kill some wild game for me and prepare it the way I like it and come back to me and I'll bless you. So Esau says, okay, Dad, and he goes and he leaves and he goes to hunt. Rebecca had overheard this. But she didn't like that. Because you see, Rebecca loved, loved Jacob the most. And, es and Isaac loved Esau the most. And Rebecca also remembered what the Lord had said, which is that the older would serve the younger. And so she comes, she comes up with this idea. She comes to Jacob and she says, Jacob, your dad wants to bless Esau, but I want you to have the blessing. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go take two goats, and we're going to prepare those goats the way your dad likes to eat it, and then you're going to take that food into your dad, and he's going to bless you instead of Esau. Jacob's like, okay, that sounds great, but here's one problem, Mom. I'm not hairy like Esau. Remember, Esau's all red and hairy. I'm smooth. I've got, I don't have hair like my brother. Dad's going to figure it out. Rebecca says, well, we'll just take some of that goat hair. We'll put it on your arms. We'll put it around your neck. And then when your dad asks to feel you, you'll feel hairy like your brother. And he'll bless you. So Jacob's like, okay, I'll give it a shot. So that's where we pick up in verse 18. Genesis 27. Where it says, So Jacob went to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game. That your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. 
And Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near me, that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who fell to him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Jacob was so insecure, so desperate for validation, that he gave up who he was and pretended to be another person. Pretended to be Esau, his brother. Even so far as not only did he put the goat hair on his body, but it says that he went and he took some of his brother's clothes, his finest clothes, and he put them on so that he would even smell like his brother. And pretended because he didn't think he measured up. He didn't think that he, he knew he wasn't good enough in and of himself to get the blessing. He wasn't the firstborn. So he pretended to be somebody he wasn't. We pretend to do a lot of things too. Maybe most of us don't pretend to be a completely different person. We don't change our name. Some of us do. We don't put on other people's clothes. But what we do pretend to be is this alternative version of ourselves. This fake version of ourselves. The per so since we're not future J-Tom, if I'm not future J-Tom, and I'm just frustrated J-Tom, then I'm going to settle and be fake J-Tom. fake J-Tom is going to fake it until he makes it. And if I never make it, I'm going to keep faking it. Because I'm so desperate for validation that I don't want anyone to know that I don't measure up, that I have these flaws, that I'm not as great as I want them to think that I am. So we put on masks. Just like Esau put on, I mean, Jacob put on Esau's clothes, we put on masks. I'm fake Jaytom. Fake Jaytom has it together. Fake Jaytom doesn't want you to know that his flaws. Fake Jaytom doesn't want you to know that he gets irritated sometimes. Or that he gets mad when his wife asks him to do the dishes. <laughs> and so I put on this fake show. And it's frustrating. Because I want to do the dishes. But something in me keeps me. You know, I fall short. And the weird thing is, is our society hates, hates fakes. We don't like fakes. And yet we're all fake. <laughs> Everyone's like, you're a, you're a fake. You're not real. And we call each other out all the time. You're a poser. And yet we're all, we're all putting on our masks because we're all afraid to reveal who we really are. Because we've, our, the way we try to validate ourselves isn't ever going to validate us. Because we're always looking at what other people have or how I don't measure up or how I'm not this or how I'm not that. It's, it's all this performance, then you'll never measure up. And if I can't measure up and I need validation, then I'm going to be fake. And even worse than that, even worse than just being a fake, is that your pretending may actually work. If you're going to pretend like you have it all together all the time, 
And people are going to think you have it all together all the time. And then when you don't have it all together, no one's going to be there to pick you up. Because you're perfect in your faith. Not only that, you're going to lose people. So we know that we're not, we know when we're not genuine with each other. And Jacob experienced this. Jacob got the blessing. He stole it. But it didn't quite give him what he wanted. He was seeking that validation. He wanted, that, he wanted to be loved. He wanted to be told, Jacob, you matter. You matter just as much as Esau. And so he got so desperate, he went and he stole it from his brother. But then when he had it, he lost everything. Did you see Esau came back from hunting? Got his wild game. And he comes into his dad's tent. Says, here I am. And he realizes what Jacob's done. Jacob has deceived his father. Lied to his dad. Lied about who he was. And stole his brother's inheritance. Esau was not happy about this. And he literally says that as soon as his dad dies, he's going to kill Jacob. And Jacob's mom finds out and basically comes to Jacob and says, you've got to get out of here. You've got to go. Esau's going to kill you. And so now Jacob, we find him, after he's gotten everything he ever wanted, which is the blessing, he's on the run. And he's left everything behind. He's lost his family. He leaves behind his, all of his possessions. He leaves his home. He's wandering in a desert to go to a place that he's never been before and he knows no one. And most importantly, he lost his brother. For something so, like, it's not trivial, but in comparison to the relationship with his brother, he gave up everything. He gave up that relationship just to get a blessing, just to try to be validated. And not only that, did he try to get his own validation, but by seeking that, he inherently invalidated his brother. It wasn't just about, like, love me, tell me I'm important. To do that, he had to knock his brother down instead. So it wasn't just him. He's hurting other people. And that's what happens with us, is we... We end up in that same place. We end up all alone when we're fake. When we hate ourselves. Jacob probably hated his name. Because he didn't know any better. All he had was this identity that people had given him. That he was the heel grabber. And then later Jacob, uh, Esau, after all this stuff that happened, he says that Jacob's not only the heel grabber, he's the deceiver. He's the usurper. So everything Jacob's name represents is negative. So he hates his name. And really, he probably hates himself. And that's what forces him to be fake. Because at the same time as hating himself, he's desperate. He's desperate for your love. He's desperate for our love. And we do the same thing. I can't, my wife knows this. There's plenty of times where I hate myself. I look at myself in the mirror and I say, I don't measure up. I don't want people to know it and I hide and I wear my mask. But deep down, I'm sitting in that mirror and all I'm looking is like, wanting my dad to say that he's proud of me. Wanted my mom to say this, I did awesome. Or somebody to come tell me that I'm that I'm that I matter. We just keep we lie to ourselves and we say, okay, 
I can just do these things, then maybe I can stop being fake, and then I can be me, and people will accept me. But then there's some of us that don't even have that hope anymore. And we think, I'm just stuck here. I'll never make it. I'll never be the real me. I can't ever let anyone know who I am. So I'm just going to stay here in my mask. Joshua, you can help me, please. God's a good father, though. He's a good father. He's a much better father than Isaac was. A much better father than I am. And so, Jacob wrestled with his brother in the womb to be validated. And it didn't work out for him. And then he went further and he tried to deceive his father. And he did deceive his father. And we come back. We come back to that first verse I read. Where Jacob is wrestling with this man. And he's all alone. And he's all alone because of all the things that he had done before. All the things that he had done to Esau. And all the times that he had deceived and he had put on, put on this, this fur to cover up who he really was. Putting on his brother's clothes. And he's all alone. And then God comes to him and starts wrestling with him. But this time it's different. This time it's not Jacob trying to overpower his brother. It's not Jacob trying to overpower God. If you kind of see it in the scripture where it makes it feel like Jacob's like literally trying to wrestle God to the ground and saying, give me my blessing. Give me my blessing. That's not what's happening. Jacob was sitting alone, all alone because he's afraid. Because this, when this is about to happen, when God's coming to wrestle with him, Jacob is about to meet his brother Esau again for the first time since he had stolen the blessing. So he's terrified so terrified that he sent his family away, he sent all his stuff away, and he's all alone. And that's when God comes. And God comes and begins to wrestle with him. Not to beat him down, but he's a good dad. And he knows that Jacob needs to be rescued from himself. So he's going to sit there, and God wrestles with Jacob all night long. Basically saying, yield to me. Yield to me. Give up. Take off these fake clothes. Yield to me. And Jacob won't do it. He's fighting because he wants his life in his own hands because he doesn't trust that God's going to validate him. If he reveals who he really is, if he gives in to God, he's not going to get validated. So he keeps fighting because that's all he's ever known is I got to do it. I got to do me. And I got to meet these other people for me to feel like I matter. So God touches his hip instantly overpowers him. It was never a fight. It was never even close. God just touches his hip and instantly Jacob's made lame. And we come back to this question. God's a good dad because he comes back and he says to his son, he's wrestling with him, he says, who are you? Because you can't deceive your heavenly father. Jacob succeeded in tricking his dad earthly dad, Isaac, but you can't trick your heavenly father. He knows who you are. He sees right through your masks. You can't hide who you really are. So he says, who are you? In verse 27 of Genesis 32, 
He said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. So he finally admitted it. I'm Jacob. I'm the deceiver. I'm the usurper. I'm the heel grabber. Here's my weakness. Here's my flaws. I'm not the firstborn. I'm giving up. God did this because he had a plan. He wants to reveal who you really are to you. Because only he can do it. Only he can tell you who you really are. And we see him do this with Jacob. Verse 28, he says, Then God said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and prevailed. Israel. He renames him in that moment. Whereas Jacob was born second place, the heel grabber. God says, that's not who I made you to be. I'm renaming you Israel. And Israel means triumphant with God. Because God's a good father. He says, come be with me. Take off these, take off these clothes, these fake clothes, because you see, we have sin. We have sin in our life. It causes us to be ashamed of who we are, ashamed to be in the presence of God. We see this even with Adam and Eve, who as soon as they, they took of the fruit and they sinned and they rebelled against God, they began to try to cover themselves and hide from God. But God was a good father then too, and he comes to us. And he's always coming to you. He's coming to me. He's saying, you don't need to be fake, because I can't even bless the fake you. I can only bless the real you. That's what God wants to do today. He wants to bless each and every one of us. He wants to bless us and he wants to tell you who you really are. And so if you hate your name, if you hate, if you find yourself hating who you are, that's not who God made you to be. He wants to come to you and he wants to speak to you. He wants to tell you, you're not Jacob, you're Israel. Triumphant with God. He wants to give you victory. He wants to take off those fake clothes. Take off that fur off your off your body. Take off your brother's clothing and be who God made you to be. We need the church to be who God made it to be. And he wants to bless you. You don't have to fight. You don't have to compete. You just have to yield. Just like Jacob finally figured out after a whole night of wrestling, he just yielded to the Father. He said, here I am. Do with me as you wish. And that's when God took him in his lowest point and elevated him the highest place. She said, I see you as my son, and I'm renaming you Israel. God wants to bless you. Will you stand with me, church? I'm just going to close in prayer. Take this moment while I'm praying. If you struggle with that, if you feel like that, if you've never felt validated, if you felt like you've had to be someone you're not your whole life, if you've had to hide who you really are, even hiding your flaws, you don't need to hide your flaws. God sees every one of them. He's going to take it. He's going to speak to you. He's going to make you into this. He's going to give you a new name. So just yield to Him. It's not up to you. You don't have to define your success you don't have to go find these possessions or these positions or these perceptions in order to be validated. Just give it to him. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you so much that you are a good, good Father and that you're not content to leave us alone in the desert, Lord, to ourselves, broken and ashamed, but that you come and that you will fight and that you will wrestle with us all night if it takes.